This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Want to dive deeper into the topics you hear about on Daily Drive? We're offering listeners a special offer, 20% off a one-year Automotive News digital subscription. That gets you access to all of our news, information, and analysis made for automotive industry leaders like you. Go to autonews.com slash daily drive promo to redeem. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, November 3rd, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News here in Detroit. And I'm Callan Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, UAW members will get back pay from the D3 under tentative deals. Most workers at the first Ford plant to go on strike vote yes on the tentative contract. And U.S. light vehicle sales growth slowed down in October. Plus, a look at how generative AI is changing the environment for dealership finance and insurance offices. You know, we're still really in early days in generative AI. You know, if it's a nine inning ball game, we're probably in the first or second inning. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Workers who were on strike or laid off during the UAW's walkout against the Detroit Three would get back pay under the union's tentative agreements with the automakers. People familiar with the deals who spoke with us at Automotive News say the companies agreed to pay those workers $110 per day for each day of work missed. That could translate to thousands of dollars for workers who were off the job since the strike started on September 15th. That money is on top of the ratification bonus all workers would receive, which is $5,000 at Ford and Stellantis. At Ford, the total pot of money the union won to compensate workers who were off the job is about $53 million. Workers at Ford's Michigan assembly plant have overwhelmingly voted in favor of the UAW's tentative contract agreement with the automaker. Approximately 82% of votes cast by UAW Local 900 members were in support of the deal. The local said 81% of production workers and 90% of skilled trade workers voted yes, but did not provide the number of ballots cast. The plant makes the Ford Bronco midsize SUV and Ranger midsize pickup. It employs roughly 4,800 hourly workers. It was the first Ford local to go on strike in September and also the first to vote on the deal. The tentative agreement includes 25% raises and $8.1 billion in manufacturing investments over four and a half years. Voting on the Ford deal is expected to continue through November 17th. Meanwhile, the National UAW Stellantis Council has now approved its tentative deal. It now heads to the company's 43,000 UAW members for ratification voting in the coming weeks. You can find the tally of the latest voting results at autonews.com. U.S. light vehicle sales rose an estimated 1.8% to 1.2 million in October. That says the UAW strike at the Detroit Three, the resumption of student loan payments, and other economic hurdles appear to take a bite out of the market. As a result, October's growth fell short of analyst estimates, Projections were for a rise of 3 to 4% last month. For the year, consistent pent-up retail and healthy fleet demand has been driving a market that has benefited from a steady rebound in production after years of tight inventories caused by the chip shortage. 
U.S. sales rose 17% in the third quarter and 14% in the first nine months of the year. More recently, sales have been slowing as rising interest rates, weakening consumer sentiment, and elevated sticker prices sidelined some buyers. Global Data estimated the daily sales rate at 48,000 units in October. That's down from more than 51,000 in September and the slowest pace since February. In another sign of a cool down, Global Data says the seasonally adjusted annual rate of sales last month tallied 15.5 million. That's up from 14.7 million in October 2022, but down a little from September's 15.7 million. Since peaking at 16.2 million in June, the sales pace has cooled off in the second half of 2023. An online used car retailer, Carvana, says its continued focus on operating more efficiently and working to boost per vehicle profits yielded results in the third quarter, including record net income in the quarter. That's after a long streak of challenges and financial distress. Carvana reported net income of over $740 million, a record for the quarter. That's compared with a $508 million net loss in the same period last year. Its third quarter net income got significant help from a non-recurring $878 million gain on debt cancellation from a corporate debt exchange. Revenue fell 18% to $2.8 billion. Carvana reported $148 million in adjusted earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. That includes $40 million in one-time benefits. And those are today's headlines. All right, Jamie, is it normal for the union to get back pay for workers being on strike? No, that's so strange. I mean, you go on strike, you're saying, I'm not going to work. I'm not going to work when you want me to because I'm trying to hurt you and make you, you know, pay me what I think I'm worth. I don't know if it's unprecedented, might be too strong, but very unusual. You know, I think back some to the, some of the early rhetoric and Sean Fain talking about the automakers as the one true enemy and Bill Ford as the executive chair of Ford, you know, trying to argue that they were not enemies, that the workers at Ford are not his enemy. And I guess this is a, a gesture of, of kindness and reconciliation toward that. Uh, and of course, toward uh, trying to get votes for the, to ratify this deal. That's interesting. Coming up, we'll hear about the impact generative AI is having in dealership finance and insurance offices. That's next on Daily Drive. The auto industry's shift to carbon neutrality is here and it's accelerating. But is it enough? This is a moral imperative, an economic imperative, a moment of peril, but also a moment of extraordinary possibilities. No more hesitancy, no more excuses, no more waiting for the others to move first. There is simply no more time for that. Driving to Zero is a new podcast series from Automotive News that looks at the auto industry's roadmap to carbon neutrality. We take a big picture look at the environmental, political, and social trends pushing the move toward a greener future. And we pull back the curtain on how these decisions are being made at the highest levels. I said, you know, the, the headline that you need is, is GM believes in an all electric future. And I think Dan Ammon and Mary Barra pretty much said the same thing, which is, is like, but, but we, we don't. Spoiler alert, they came around to that idea. Find out how and much more. 
I'm Jake Neer. Join me and Automotive News Executive Editor Jamie Butters on Driving to Zero, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Your service check-in process sets the tone for your customer's entire visit. Do your customers wait longer than five minutes to check in for service? Are your advisors presenting upsells to every customer every time? How often is the opportunity for a trade appraisal missed? When your service drive gets busy, these inefficiencies directly impact revenue. Give your customers the option to handle the entire check-in process themselves, from appointment scheduling through final confirmation in under two minutes. Customers have the experience they want while selling themselves, which means your advisors are freed up to focus on profit-producing activities. It's a win-win for CSI and your revenue. Introducing a smarter service lane, GoMoto is the self-service kiosk designed to grow your business. If you're ready to start increasing revenue, improving the customer experience, and maximizing service efficiency today, visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Generative AI continues to be a hot topic, but the trendy technology finds itself in the crosshairs of the FTC, the DOJ, the EEOC, and the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. They're concerned about unlawful bias. Tom Osherwitz is the Vice President of Legal at Informed IQ. He spoke with Automotive News Senior Editor Dan Shine about whether F&I managers should be concerned about those agencies' stance and how AI, F&I, and auto lending can coexist in a compliant way. Tom, appreciate you joining us uh, for the F&I Friday edition of Daily Drive. Absolutely happy to be here. So... We want to talk about AI. AI is everywhere and seems to be overtaking our world. Talk about, you want to talk about generative AI. What does that mean? Can you kind of define what that means? Absolutely. So first, more broadly, what AI is, is essentially a technology that in some way replicates human intelligence, whether it's through senses, through vision, through hearing. And what generative AI is, is the latest generation of AI, which is really about generating content. It sort of it got its origins from autocomplete. I'm sure you've seen on emails where it offers the next word. Um, imagine um, an endless loop where you suggest a new word and then you put that word in and then you suggest another word so you can create paragraphs and paragraphs. So essentially, it's an uh, incredible catalyst and power for creating content. Got it. And how is this used in the F&I, dealership F&I world and the auto lending world? You know, we're still really in early days in generative AI. You know, if it's a nine inning ball game, we're probably in the first or second inning. I, I think that the real power of generative AI is as a work enhancement. It can be a huge creative aid for advertising and personalized communication. It allows for personalizing at scale for consumers. It can help about with compliance, which I can talk about later. Another way is that it's just really a great way to data mine and analyze information. So you can take huge swaths of information, summarize it quickly and get great insights. So a lot of what you hear about AI is how wonderful it is and how it's going to make our lives simpler and, and easy. But uh, recently, the some of the uh, alphabet uh, organizations, agencies in Washington, D.C., put out a joint statement. This Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the Department of Justice, the EEOC, the FTC, kind of 
throwing a little bit of cold water on the AI uh, world. And I'll read one little snippet from it. It says, these automated systems are often advertised as providing insights and breakthroughs, increasing efficiencies and cost savings, and modernizing existing practices. Although many of these tools offer the promise of advancement, their use also has the potential to perpetuate unlawful bias, automate unlawful discrimination, and produce other harmful outcomes. So if I'm an F&I manager at some dealership and I think AI is going to make my life easier, but the people who often look at me in a regulatory way or a compliant way uh, are kind of putting out the statement, how should I take this if, an F and F, if I'm an F&I manager? You know, I think there's really two key points that come out of that statement. The first is just because we have a new tool, a new technology, the old laws still apply. So things like, as you pointed out, fair lending and equal credit opportunity are still going to be important. And just because it's AI, you don't get a free pass. The second point, which I also think is perhaps even more important, is that regulators have very limited resources. And so when you think about regulatory focus, it's like a searchlight. You know, there's only 1,500 employees at the CFPB, which is less than some very large lenders, and they have to focus on something. And right now, they're laser focused on AI. So, but that doesn't mean if I'm an F&I manager, I should stop looking to use AI in any way or, or kind of ignore the technology. It's just, again, you say, just continue to be compliant and you know, be mindful of that. Absolutely. I mean, I personally am very, very bullish on AI, and I think that many of the folks in the auto lending and the dealer community should absolutely be bullish on it too. But you have to be careful. You have to be mindful of your obligations. And there are some practices that I would focus on more than others, honestly. What like practices such as? Well, one thing I would say is that one of the things that um, folks are a little bit concerned about with generative AI is this concept of hallucinations. The idea that sometimes you know, this technology is designed to generate answers. And sometimes it generates the wrong answers if it doesn't know uh, the right answer. And so, the, so if you're doing a high stakes decision, I wouldn't use necessarily generative AI unless you've tested that technology over and over again to make sure that you're right. But for, you know, in terms of just enhancing your ability to work and do things, I think it's a lot of progress. Um, the only thing I would add there again is that, you know, just be mindful of the fact that regulators are going to be looking at things like they're going to be looking at fair lending, they're going to be looking at unfairness. They're going to be looking at, um, and they're really going to be looking at, you know, the technology. So the, these these two worlds can coexist. How, are there some best practices or things that you would suggest to F and I managers to be mindful of uh, as yeah, yeah, they go I, about absolutely. their day to day business? Absolutely, I think that one thing that people should be aware of if there's a bright line requirement, like for example, California law AB twenty three eleven says that for a gap waiver. You can't sell it if it costs more than 4% of the value of the vehicle or there's a 70% loan-to-value ratio. So if there's a bright-line rule, um, make sure that you comply with it. Because one of the things that we're going to see with regulators is their ability to evaluate your systems is going to improve dramatically. Um, and so what you're going to do is you're going to have to ramp up your compliance because it's going to be easier for folks to investigate you. Interesting stuff. Tom, I really appreciate the conversation. Thank you. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Thomas Oshowitz is Vice President of Legal with Informed IQ. He spoke with our own Dan Shine. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. 
And I'm Callan Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Michael Martinez, Vince Bond Jr., David Phillips, and C.J. Moore for their reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on finance and insurance, UAW voting on tentative contracts, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back on Monday for a conversation with Bergstrom Automotive CEO, Tim Bergstrom. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.